there's a certain spectrum of attacks that it's more efficient to protect and detect those attacks with machines and, and with uh, with data. You know, if I can playbook a, a detection and a remediation step and automate that step, right, that is more time for my senior security operations folks to do the task and things that they need to do in order to catch the more advanced, more nefarious attackers out there. Well, welcome back to Cloud Talk. I'm your host, Jeff Deverter. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help improve your business and those around you. Now, as you've picked up, today's episode is all about cybersecurity with Senior Security Product Manager, Rob Jackson. Now, before we get into the episode, I'd love to take a moment to thank our sponsor here at Solve App Dynamics. Go beyond monitoring, get full stack observability with a business lens from App Dynamics. Now, also, if you haven't already subscribed, now's a great time to do that while you're listening to the episode. And also, as a reminder, to join us every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on LinkedIn for Cloud Talk Live, where we have similar conversations to what you're about to hear, but live, where you get to be a part of the conversation. Now, of course, stick around after the interview. I've got a few thoughts on the episode I want to share with you. Now, with that, let's get into this week's episode with Rob Jackson. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. So when we think about all things IT and we think about the evolution of, quote, the cloud and, and everything that goes on, whether it's data and analytics, it's data storage or it's infrastructure or serverless, you, you pick the name. I think no area has grown more in acceptance, in, uh, in capabilities and in awareness and in threat than the whole security, cybersecurity kind of world. And to have a conversation about that and the impacts as it relates to what customers are doing, what they should be doing, as it relates to, uh, you know, what's new in the tech space, what's new in behavior. I brought on Rob Jackson. Now, Rob is a senior uh, product manager over here at Rackspace working on the uh, security solutions team. Rob, uh, welcome to the program. Glad you're here. Thank you, Jeff. Absolutely. Now, uh, for those of you uh, just listening, of course, Rob and I have been trying to record this episode for like, I think, three months. And uh, it was one thing after another. So, Rob, I'm glad we finally gotten to, to work this out. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So, uh, so you've been at Rackspace a good long time, um, longer than uh, a lot. But you've been in the security space since about 2008. Um, you know, what, what did security in an environment look like back in 2008? And then we'll, of course, we'll, we'll contrast that to today. Yeah. So, you know, when I got started in security, uh, particularly at Rackspace, when we we're trying to solve problems of, uh, in, in web infrastructure environments really was about, you know, a, a, a customer with, uh, some servers, uh, and, 
um, how to secure a, a, a perimeter of their environment with a, a firewall. And maybe you could convince, uh, you can convince uh, IT owners uh, to install antivirus on, on a server. Uh, but that was really uh, how we looked at security uh, back then uh, in terms of you know, perimeter protection, uh, host-based kind of antivirus type protection. Uh, and then, you know, it, it started getting um, some, you know, attacks around, you know, signature-based attacks around uh, network um, network infrastructure uh, and, and network attacks that looked like legitimate traffic. So, so you know, which, which bore out the need for intrusion detection. Uh, and then you had web traffic uh, where you, you started seeing uh, the proliferation of web application firewalls. But really it started with, you know, you could, you could view security 15, 20 years ago about securing a perimeter uh, and then, you know, monitoring or um, filtering uh, against signatures uh, for malicious emails or or malicious web traffic or malicious network traffic. Well, you bring up a super interesting point, and I don't know if everyone caught it or even if you really appreciated what you said, and that was back in that, you know, 15 or so years ago, 10, 15 years ago, what we were securing <clears throat> were these first things that left the data center. And by and large, they were the websites. You know, people, enterprises didn't want those websites necessarily running in their infrastructure. Why bring in, you know, all of the masses from the world, you know, right next to your other applications? Let's put it somewhere else. You know, Rackspace built a, a pretty nice little business around hosting websites for the world, whether it was on small servers or large, large infrastructure. And then you, of course, you will go on to point, well, I just, let's just build on that for a second. So it, back in 2008, 2010, uh, really where the problem existed was, or the opportunity was, how do we secure the first stuff that left the data center, those web apps? And then, uh, and then we can also look at that secondarily to that is how did organizations secure their own internal infrastructure? And, and you really called it out with a single word, perimeter. It was a perimeter-based approach to security. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and um, also, you know, I think it's important to know back then too, in the kind of the evolution of security uh, in terms of, you know, if you look at the companies that were being attacked or or the types of attacks, they were um, similar, right? That network-based yeah. attacks like DDoS and, and other things. And so, you know, you're looking at uh, malicious activity is is the same across uh, all, all different types of, of, of markets and in, in crime, really, in terms of what is the easiest to perpetrate, what's the less expensive um, thing to do to disrupt uh, someone's business or to cause havoc. Um, and so you saw DDoS, you know, you saw DOS attacks and you saw uh, malicious network traffic and those things because they were they were fairly easy to uh, to do. And so uh, you know, fast forward as you look at what has become, you know, who is proliferating the attacks, where the attacks are, are targeted against, and what methods folks are using. Uh, it's it's always been about uh, what's easy to do, uh, what's not protected, how how do yeah. I gain access, you know, those type of things. 
Well, and a lot of the those attacks back in those early days when when they went after websites, it wasn't necessarily how can I you know exfiltrate a bunch of data. And it was it was people going, you know, how can I put up my you know deface the website? How can I take it down and and maybe hold the website ransom? Those were early days of those sorts of behaviors. And as it relates to internal, of course, of course, they're trying to compromise it for data and for opportunity and uh, and all sorts of nefariousness. But at the end of the day, um, a lot of the attacks, distributed denial of service attacks, um, you know, defacing a website. This this is what we were trying to to thwart. What did what what type of tech were we using at at that point in uh, in the evolution back in that 2008, 2010? Yeah, from a security standpoint, again, it's if you're looking at a network firewall where you're just you know ports and protocols, you know locking locking stuff down uh, with with rules, um, just centered around network packet traffic, right? And then you had uh, intrusion detection, and so I have to let traffic into to port eighty, uh, and uh, you know I have to let certain traffic in. Um, and so you, you know, your, your, the evolution of attacks started becoming, okay, well, how do I make, um, you know, how, how do I enter into a, a network, um, and, and sniff around and, you know, how do I do that? Right. But you had this, you know, um, similar to, you know, going and jiggling, uh, you know, uh, car doors in terms of finding an unlocked car, uh, you, you had this, okay, how do I, to your point, what's leaving the data center It's like, it's much easier for me to go capture traffic on the internet, um, kind of man in the middle type, type attacks like that versus trying to infiltrate, you know, something that's locked down to go, to go pry. Um, so from a technology standpoint, uh, IDS, what we know in intrusion detection, network firewalls, ports and protocols, uh, you know, anti, antivirus really. So the beginnings of, of what we now know today is kind of anti-malware and other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, and then you started seeing, like you mentioned, you're, it's really you're talking about web web infrastructure, um, and, and uh, web applications on the internet. Um, so you started seeing things like web application firewalls and, and those type of things um, uh, being stood up as well. Yeah. And, and then, so then things started to evolve a little bit, you know, or initially it's just the web traffic as Rackspace, you know, developed our own cloud in those early days as AWS started to become more than just a science project that ran a bookstore uh, and, and people started to use it more in mass. Then, um, you know, those workloads though, were still pretty relegated uh, in, in the, the, the cloud as it existed at that point, still were pretty relegated to, um, to that that web-based type of type of of, of traffic, and we you know at Rackspace you know and and it isn't a commercial for Rackspace but just using it as an example at the time because there are and were so many customers using that environment and so many data centers around the world that we've got this this whole ecosystem that we can look back on and and draw trends and outcomes from you know we started to as as the tax got a little bit more sophisticated you know you mentioned it was network based you know let's let port 80 through but we also started to segment those networks as well you know let's let's let the tra- uh, port 80 traffic come in from anywhere in the world and hit these these front end web servers let's also layer in some divisions between those web servers and application servers behind those and database servers even behind that and we started to really model out what uh, what segmentation really would look like in a larger scale network as well. Yeah, um, that's right. And so as your as your use of 
internet services grows uh, and the application of those of those uh, how you apply you know internet services to to your your business processes and rules like that, that's where you really see the evolution of security and the evolution of malicious activity and everything so once I start mm-hmm. using uh, cloud-based technologies for identity once I start mm-hmm. using cloud-based technologies for uh, for data consumption you know mm-hmm. th- th- that's when you've seen this evolution of you know I don't really you know yeah yes you still have to protect uh, against certain, you know, always around certain attacks, but really, you know, that the, the proliferation of ransomware is all about the proliferation of data, um, yeah. uh, in, in, in cloud, right. Where, where we didn't used to, to do that. Right. The, um, you know, I think the next thing is around identity and he's talking about the proliferation of, of zero trust concepts mm-hmm. about how do I, how do I know a user is an actual user and how do I trust that user into an application or how do I trust an application into a data? That's all because uh, everything is, is in the cloud, like passwords and everything are in the cloud. So, you know, uh, the, um, my, uh, I was, my wife said to me the other day, she said, uh, that's like having your password written out on your keyboard. (laughs) Uh, and making a joke about, you know, an insecure way to do things. And I'm like, you know what? Having a password written on your desk might be the most secure place you could put your password now. Um, because who's walking by your desk? Who right. wants my to desk it, no is it your five-year-old? No. But yeah, that's actually, it. Yeah. Right. I'd rather have my password written out next to my keyboard than somewhere stored on the internet somewhere. Um, right. Is it safer putting it there? Is it safer putting it in, you know, right. a Google Doc or in a OneDrive or, a, you know, yeah. pick your poison? Yeah. And so, and so because you have this massive, you know, uh, cheap, faster, um, way to, uh, to distribute data, uh, to, to across your business, to distribute uh, user access and everything across your business. Um, you know, that's where you're seeing the evolution of, of attacks and the evolution of, of ways to prevent and detect and, and remediate those attacks. Right. So that takes us then into, like, if we, we jump in onto the 2015s, 2016, 2017, we find, um, we find some definite um, behavior changes. We're seeing more uh, production, I'll call it workloads outside of just websites, more stuff leaving the data center, moving out into uh, the, the public cloud, but still not a wholesale, by and large, wholesale departure from having on-premises data center and in a, in a cloud-based environment that houses a, a, a number of, whether they're public-facing or corporate corporate workloads. And here's where we start to hit that clash. Before, when we had the website out there, we could just have a, a good old Rackspace team or whatever your, your managed hoster was looking after that stuff. And corporate security was and, and internal security was still looking after all the internal stuff. And they'd look at the reports from, from your, the managed hoster. But now they actually have workloads that are there and we're starting to have to pull that stuff together and it creates some collisions. We were just talking about a partner earlier and, uh, and you know, they, they're long company company's been around for a while and their view of security is very much from the corporate side with not a lot of, um, knowledge uh, yet around how do you integrate the cloud native tooling, the cloud native logs uh, into a corporate view. You know, we really started to see a lot of that collision in the 2015 timeline. Yeah, you know, um, we, we we talked um, in that time frame. It was all about kind of what tools can I use 
Um, you know, to, to, what, what tools do I need to purchase? What does my budget need to look like in terms of security tools and, and controls I need to put in place? Uh, and you had, um, you know, if you, if you looked at the security market, you have to segment it so much in order to, to get even a base understanding of what you need to purchase in order to, uh, what you need to purchase in order to, to have some sort of control over the security of your environment. And, uh, so back in, in 2014, 2015, we were having a lot of conversations with, uh, with, with, IT uh, CIOs and, and and trying to get conversations started with security personnel around the, this combination of tools versus people, like experts and in, in, in tools, uh, because you had this environment where, um, you know, we talked a lot about I can I can create a I can script an attack, right? And I, yeah. if I script an attack against someone, um, it is likely that a a tool can pick up that attack, right? right but if I'm right. human, if I'm a human trying to do bad things, and I and I run up against a brick wall, I'm going to find another way in, right? right? So keep poking. I'm, yeah, I'm going to. It's a persistent kind of threat, and I'm going to keep poking until I find something. And so, you really need the, this combination of tools and people to um, to really protect yourself um, and and have some sort of guarantee that. These kind of advanced persistent threats is what we call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, these advanced persistent threats could be detected and remediated, uh, but it was a combination of tools and people. Uh, and, and really, because of uh, the the investment and and uh, the way IT users and owners are using cloud based tools, really that conversation is almost shifting again uh, away from um, this. Kind of like this huge, um, you know, shopping center of tools that you could buy and purchase into. Okay, what 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 native controls exist in my infrastructure? What native controls exist uh, with my cloud partner? And, and it, you know, it, are they on by default? And and so it's less of a conversation about you know inserting. Um, you know, these kind of in, inserting uh, these tools into a, an architecture and into an environment where a customer has to work around a security tool uh, versus just turning on embedded uh, native tools uh, in an infrastructure. But you still have to have the people who who know the architecture, who can tune those uh, those security controls, who can evaluate and and recommend changes based on uh, those those findings, uh, and then ultimately, you know, security operations people to uh, to triage and, and remediate. Triage and remediate. That's right. So you know, you made several interesting points in there to call out. First is you know this combination of both tools and people, and we think that we see so many so much change going on where um, where people get eliminated from aspects of their roles and technology takes over, the tooling takes over. And, but this is one of those areas where I think that the, the, there's an advancement of the need for both the tooling and for the people. So tooling on, you know, better ways to, to create walls, better ways to segment, better ways to uh, manage security, but more than that, better ways to, to, analyze 
and look at the logs and the behaviors of the users using those systems. Because more and more we're using AI-based things to look at the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of, of records that are in these logs to look for that needle in the haystack. But you're right. At the end of the day, that has to be handed over. Those findings have to be handed over to a human to one go through and kind of sanitize and, and clean up going, uh, this one's real, this one's not. Now for that real one off to the remediation team to figure out what happened, resolve what happened, and and then ensure that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is, there's, there's so much, um, so much data out there, so much to protect uh, from a surface area standpoint and from a, from a data standpoint. Uh, so, you know, uh, so many attacks that are proliferated against infrastructure and applications and data uh, that you can't, uh, you, you, it can't be done uh, with, with people alone, right? And so that's right. another part there of the just aren't enough eyeballs to look at all the data and the amount of time you've got to do it. Yeah, and and, and look, uh, there's a certain number of attacks. There's a certain spectrum of attacks that w- that um, is way, it's more efficient to protect and detect those attacks with uh, with machines and, and with uh, with data, right? Yeah. And And, you know, if I can playbook uh, a, a detection and a remediation step and automate that step, right? That is more time for my senior security operations folks to do, um, to do the task and things that they need to do in order to catch the more advanced, um, more nefarious uh, attackers out there, right? So you talk yeah. about um, proactive hunt missions in an environment, right? Where you're, you're, you're taking threat intelligence uh, in your, you're going into an environment and looking for indications of compromise um, proactively in an environment, right? You can't, you know, I can't do that if I'm, you know, if I'm shoulders deep into hundreds of thousands of events looking, you know, looking at, you know, triaging, you know, medium and uh, events that a sim is poking out, right? Without, without automation. So um, it's not about, um, it's not about replacing people with automation. It's about up-leveling in, in our, our skills and having time uh, for our, our skilled stock operators or security operations operators to, uh, to really dig into uh, parameters of attack. So more time for, um, uh, for capture the flag events uh, inter- yeah. or red teaming or blue teaming, you know, things like that. Things that take human skill to go do um, and we can leave kind of uh, the the uh, the lower level attack and remediation playbooks to to what we can automate. Right. So so I sort of have to ask you to take your your product manager hat off for a second, and the fact you work for a company that provides a lot of these services. Because as you look as we as you and I have lived, you know, this managed hosting and into the cloud experience for so many years. Um, what we find is even inside of Rackspace, there is less and less role for some of those people that we hire tens of thousands, not tens of thousands, but a lot, thousands of, you know, those level one, level two Linux and Windows engineers, you know, there's less, literally less VMs for them to look after because so much of this is, is transforming. But when we take and look at that from a security point of view, is security one of those areas that is best left to the professionals? Is it best that you upskill internally if you have the means to do so? Or is it a partnership? Can you ever do it all yourself? Great question. You know, the first thing I think about is, um, the first thing I think about is uh, self-driving cars. 
Um, and I think in terms of a ton of analogies, right? And I was, uh, I was having a conversation or reading something uh, about, you know, how, um, you know, what is the tipping point of self-driving cars? And it really is a chicken or the egg of, I would drive a self-driving car if everyone else was driving self, you know, if there were, yeah. if everyone first, yeah, you know, and otherwise uh, there's not enough, and this is going to maybe upset the AI folks, right? But, but there, there's <laughs> not enough um, standardization around our behavior and our, our, our thought processes and things like that to really nail AI in a way that gives us the confidence to drive around AI vehicles, right? right. And, and I think the same is true with security. You will always mm-hmm. need experts and people and customization uh, and nuance um, as long as there are, um, you know, as long as the stakes are high enough where I'm willing to, to, um, to employ, uh, you know, dark hat folks, uh, to go and, um, um, do bad things for lack of a better term, uh, either, you know, um, corporate, espionage or um nation state kind of kind of stuff um there's always going to you know people have to combat people um because there's just too much nuance and too much um well but i'm but i'm not necessarily asking the question do does tooling supplant people people have to be there we we've already established the fact that it's a balance of tools and people but but has it gotten so advanced and is it moving so fast that any one corporation whose job is not cybersecurity can they do it effectively themselves or do they really need to partner up? And I promise this isn't a sales pitch for Rackspace. This is this is you know is this one of those areas that's just evolved a little bit farther than the than than the common enterprise? Yeah. Um- I think so because I, look, uh, the you need. I, I think you always need a partner. You always need um, some level of of expert curation to push you in the right direction. Okay. Um, otherwise, you're going to be stuck doing the same things, trying you know, ic- ignoring everything that's not on fire until it's on fire. Um, and so. You know, and we see this all the time in security, where you, you don't buy security until you're you're compromised, and then you really need security. And you're willing to pay whatever you want, whatever whatever you can afford. Um, and so, you know, if you look at, uh, uh, yeah, so so I I, I think to answer your question, like it, it's you need that push, you need that partner because there's there's again there's not enough time in the day to focus on the 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 bleeding edge or that, that edge case of where uh, I might be, um, where, I, where I might be uh, compromised or, or where uh, my defenses might be a little weaker, right? Like we, we talk right. about um, at Rackspace uh, and our security team, um, even things like, um, are you sure that uh, the tooling that you've purchased um, or the agents you've deployed. Are you sure your environments, your your entire environment's protected, right? And so, who's looking after that? If you've installed agents on all of your your compute nodes, or if you've turned on, um, you know, posture management from a cloud native standpoint, 
and your environment is is growing and shrinking with demand, um, is your protection of that environment um, uh, covering everything at any given time? You know, mm-hmm. we talk about uh, surface area detection, right? Do you even mm-hmm. know? Uh, do you even know um, what your surface area is in terms of ways that attackers could could um, could compromise or or could infiltrate your your data or your environment? And so, um, yeah, look, there's a lot of plug and play. There's a lot of I'll just turn this on, and because of AI and ML and and other concepts, um, an event will get you know, what will spit out and it'll have remediation steps and I'll just do the remediation steps as an operator and everything will be fine. Um, and that does exist. And that really is that, that that's great. And that, that protects you in a certain way. Um, but you'll never get ahead of that, right? That doesn't, you're not looking at all of those events in aggregate and saying, okay, what's going, is there really something different or, you know, more than the sum of its parts going on here, where I need to look at my architecture, or I need to evaluate or prioritize um, th- things that are going on. Right? You, you, yeah. you, um, you know, it goes back to um, the old days where I would buy you know, a SIM platform or a log log management platform, and I'd turn on alerting, and I'd get hundreds Just of th- thousands of alerts. Spooks. Right? And then I would, you know, call the supplier and I'd say, "Well, okay, well, that's too it's too noisy." And they'd sell me a, a package of kind of rules or noise reduction kind of things. And I would deploy that and it wouldn't help, right? Because <laughs> it just wouldn't, you know, it, it, you didn't have that expert to really look at, you know, w- what can I, you know, what's going on? Like, you know, what's going on in the environment? Uh, how can I reduce noise while maintaining my level of security? Um, those type of things. And so, um, at the same time, I think to your point, security is a shared responsibility, right? It takes security experts, it takes application owners, it takes web developers uh, or, or software developers developing um, secure code. Uh, it, ta- it takes a, 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 a an all-in business, like just like we're all salespeople to some degree. We're all right. we all should be security people to some degree, um, and so I can't I can't outsource all of that. Um, it's true, yeah. but it's but it's it it's such the evolution as well because when we go back to the where we started the conversation these these late you know two thousands and uh, and it, and security was the scary team well one you never wanted to have to go talk to but you had to when you had your new app and they had to give you the rubber stamp that you know you'd done the right things but now we find security baked into everything they are partners in the development process they're partners in the monitoring and management they're partners of course in in dealing with issues and dealing with remediation. But Rob, one of the things that just scares me for, uh, I'll call it the world, is is uh, companies that that don't tend to fall on the radar of of you know some of those that you and I work with on a day to day basis. These larger com- larger national companies, multinational companies, regional companies, companies making tens or or hundreds of millions of dollars, but uh, and maybe even cr- encroaching you know the billion mark, um, and and are running on antiquated infrastructure in some cases that they haven't updated everything. You know, should they get compromised? Uh, when they get compromised, let's just let's just say it that way. They're not experts in the remediation. They don't know who to call. Um, these are the ones that I really fear because they're 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 uh, air quotes here. Uh, IT guys said, "Hey, the systems are fine. I've got them patched." And, uh, and and business leaders are just aren't aware of what needs to actually occur 
and should and slash when those systems are compromised, uh, should they get their data back? Um, never, ever, ever go back to that infrastructure because there's really no way to ever be sure that it is clean. Yeah, I mean, that that's... Um it's a great point, and and certainly we see that um, not only for you know the old infrastructure that um, that you know yes we have we have a lot of customers sitting on on old you know there's a lot of, of companies out there that have made investments and will will drive drive those investments into the ground and, and exactly. eat every every bit of money out of them they can uh, and you know those those assets. Um, those systems are, are no longer getting updated. They're no longer um, secure. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there is some, um, you know, and, and actually, I, you know what, I, I kind of worry less about those companies mm-hmm. um, because they're almost, you know, blissfully unaware and almost out of the, out of the shadows. Right. Um yeah. Uh, or, or, or in the shadows, if, if you will, in terms of who may or may not be targeted by, by an attack, um, and where, you know, and how sensitive their data is and where that's living. Um, I worry more about companies that are moving, um, faster or, you know, they have, they have initiatives of, of, of IT transformation sure. uh, and, they're, and they're trying to move faster. And, and to your point, you said earlier, they, they don't want to go to the security teams because they feel like the security teams are going to slow them down right. and they're going to have to, 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 to do all this rigor around security uh, that's going to lengthen their project or, or be an inhibitor to meeting their transformation goals. Uh, when in fact, you know, we, we want to um, talk to customers about how security uh, can accelerate that transformation. Sure. Right, because you have to answer those questions. You have to um, well, more than just answer the question. You have to deal with the problem. There's yeah, a real life problem. problem there. That's right. Yeah, right. And I and that's I where I'll go back to my little example of the regionals and say, look, they think that's going to cost me. It's going to cost me eighty, a hundred thousand, one hundred fifty thousand dollars to rewrite this application to get it off these servers to put it put it to modernize it. I don't want to modernize. It. I don't want to spend that money. Well, how much is it going to cost you when you can't get the data back? That's right. What's it going to cost? Yeah. So you're right. You have to deal with those problems. And I think in, in that way, um, the, you know, the folks that are building security tools and security operators are really getting our heads around how we can accelerate that transformation. Because I think a long time, uh, I also don't think it was uh, the security professional didn't think that his or her job was to help accelerate that transformation. Right. They were there yeah. to go, hey, you know, like, don't don't do this, don't do that. You know, here's a list of don'ts. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's, it's an exciting time in security because, um, you're starting to see both on a technology front and an operational front, uh, this, this innovation around, okay, how do I, um, how do I accelerate? You know, what, 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 uh, how is, how is the data changing? How are users changing? How are the platforms changing? And then, and then what security controls, um, what security controls and, and people in process need to be in place uh, to help accelerate that. Rob, I think it's a great example that you say about how it used to be that 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 department that slowed folks down. I used to call them the no department because uh, that was always the answer. No, um, but but now they've got to be integrated in order to be able to move fast. It's the old analogy. Go back to, you know, 
the evolution of the automobile, what was the one invention that had to happen so that the cars could go faster? It wasn't a faster engine. It was brakes. Because if you go faster, well, how are you going to slow that thing down? But in this scenario where if you take that quote unquote no department and integrate them into the process, then you don't, well, I'm not going to say you don't, you have less retooling to do. You have controls baked into what you do and you have those triggers, those, all the things. So advice, let's, it's, let's move into enablement mode here in our last couple of minutes. You know, my, my first bit of advice for any companies, regardless of size, the small ones I'm worried about, the large ones you're worried about, partner up. Um, even if you've got a good handle on it, you, first of all, you need someone who knows how to look around corners and know what's next so that you give you a, a kind of an, a bit of input into what's going to happen next. You know, you talk about some of the different security providers or the tooling. I mean, that's a great place to get in and, and, and find a strong partner. Find a company that's good at poking around and finding your problems. Um, there, we, we've got some great partners who help our customers with that. Um, Rob, what, what are some of your enablement uh, advice that you might, you might give? Yeah, for me, and I'll, I'll echo what you said. In, in terms of partnerships, it really helps to have a partner that can uh, segment uh, the security market in general, because it really is. You know, you talk about the security, uh, the, the cereal aisle at a grocery store. Yeah. It's, it's that times a thousand, right? For, from a security market standpoint, um, and and so you really need um, a, a, a partner or or some expertise around um, where you know, what your, where your risk lies and, and how to mitigate that risk as much as possible. Right. And so, you know, some advice is partner up, but also think about, um, think about, you know, what I think to be really easy ways, uh, to help mitigate that risk. I mean, user, user access, uh, and, um, you know, security around identity is one of those things that is, is so important that I see very, kind of few customers uh, and few companies really um, taking advantage of in terms of um, password policies. You know, we mentioned passwords before. Passwords, the thing is that passwords were invented to secure things 30 whatever years ago, and we're still using passwords, right? Um, but but evolving that into multi-factor authentication or zero trust type patterns is something that uh, makes a makes a ton of difference across the wide array of attacks that a company could could face, and so you know that would be one area I would I would definitely focus on um, because that permeates every every it use case. Right? I have to, I'm a user. I have to authenticate to something. Um, how, how do I do that in a secure way? And how does that application or data? You know, how, how do I ensure that 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 user is is who they are? Um, and has access to those things. And so, um, so important. Um, also, also crosses the different architectures and environment you have. So important for infrastructure, important for software as a service platforms, uh, those things. And so, um, I think it's an area that's, that's on that, you know, that, that, uh, uh, is underappreciated. Uh, yeah. and, yeah. and so I, I feel like that's, uh, it has a, has a huge return. Uh, in terms of in terms of how, where customers can focus, couldn't agree uh, more. You know, I asked the question earlier. Um, you know, is is has cyber has security gone too far that it's beyond the realm of organizations? Or do they need a partner to solve for that? I think we've answered that question well, but I think I'd add to it the one piece, and that is that 
it, it changes the relationship inside of the organization. Maybe you don't have all the cyber people, but you have cyber aware people who also have a foot strongly in the business and know the impact, know the systems, know the, the people, know the business, so that as the security team comes in and makes recommendations, the business impact can be weighed and prioritized as well. The dance just changes, uh, just like we see in other areas uh, inside of tech. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, would you, would you rather your software developer write secure code, uh, and have tools and implement and implement processes in place for, uh, for that code to happen in an agile way? Or would you rather, you know, create a, this huge, you know, laborsome process where I have to submit my code for some review to a security person who doesn't know how to write code? Can't read what you've got, has no idea if it is secure. Yeah, it's untenable, right? And, and it's, yeah. it's particularly, uh, when when we're asked to innovate so quickly and and everything is is good so uh, so yeah so um, just one example but uh, th- probably the best one I could come up with in terms of you know everyone has to be a security player and we have to as security experts uh, work with uh, all the development and operational teams uh, to educate and and to provide uh, processes and 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 tools and people to uh, to help you know, accelerate what they do in a secure way. Yep. Well, Rob, it's been a long time coming. It took us a few months to pull this together, but thanks so much for being here today. Uh, really appreciate the conversation, this kind of view of cyber over the years and where we are now and the threats that, that exist. So thank, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, thank you, Jeff. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I always appreciate the, uh, the getting a chance to, to talk. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. So a few thoughts about this episode. First, I think it's really important to look at security challenges today through the lens of how cybersecurity has evolved. This helps us recognize, based on the tools and techniques that we're using, where we are in our own maturity. And this helps shine a light on where we might need to improve as an organization. Also, I hope we are able to reinforce that while we know that our tech needs to improve on a monthly, quarterly, and yearly basis, our security practices need to be reevaluated and enhanced on that same pace, if not a little faster. Big thanks to Rob Jackson for being a part of today's episode. Hey, did you happen to subscribe while listening to today's episode? Or maybe you're already subscribed. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd like to ask you to do two things for me. First, would you share it with a friend? The information that we present here, it's totally free, and we would love for it to be in the hands of more people. Second, how about a review in the app that you use to listen to the podcast? Maybe even one of those five-star reviews. They really do help. I'd like to say thanks again to the leaders in software observability and our sponsor here at Solve App Dynamics. Go check them out. Now, until next week, I'm your host here at Clown Talk, Jeff Deverter. <laughs>